Welcome to the Tuesday, July 18, 2023 hybrid in-person and virtual meeting of the San Francisco Entertainment Commission. My name is Ben Blyman and I am the Commission President. We will start with announcements. We would like to start the meeting with a land acknowledgement. We, the San Francisco Entertainment Commission, acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land, and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community, and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. This meeting is being held in hybrid format with the meeting occurring in person in City Hall Room 416, broadcast live on SFGov TV and available to view on Zoom or listen to by calling 1-669-900-6833 using meeting ID 880-1141-1161. We welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There will be an opportunity for general public comment at the beginning of the meeting, and there will be an opportunity to comment on each discussion or action item on the agenda. Each comment is limited to three minutes. For those attending remotely, the commission will hear up to 20 minutes of remote public comment total for each agenda item. Because of the 20-minute time limit, it is possible that not every person in the queue will have an opportunity to provide remote public comment. Remote public comment from people who have received an accommodation due to disability will not count towards the 20-minute limit. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely by video or call-in. For each item, the commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. For those attending in person, please fill out a speaker card located at the side table or podium. Come up to the podium during public comment, state your name, any affiliations, and then your comment. You will have three minutes. Once finished, please hand your speaker card to the commission staff behind the podium. If using Zoom platform to speak, select the raise hand option when it's time for public comment. If calling by phone, dial star nine to be added to the speaker line when your item of interest comes up. When you are asked to speak, you unmute yourself by hitting star six. Please call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. If you're also viewing the meeting, meeting at SFGov TV, be sure to mute it before speaking during public comment. Alternatively, while we recommend that you use Zoom audio or telephone for public comment, you may submit a written public comment through the chat function on Zoom. Please note that commissioners and staff are not allowed to respond to your comments or questions during public comment. Thank you to SFGov TV and Media Services for sharing this meeting with the public. Thank you very much. Now let's do a roll call. President Blyman. Here. Vice President Camino. Aye. Commissioner Thomas. Here. Commissioner Torres. Present. And Commissioner Wong. Present. All right. Uh, the next agenda item is number two, which is general public comment. Reminder, if you are here for something that is on our agenda, then this is not for you. So this is for items that are not on our agenda. Do we have any general public comment? We do not have any general public comment. All right, then I'll close general public comment. And the next agenda item is number three, which is approval of the minutes for June 20th, 2023. Do we have motions for approval? So moved. Your second. Seconded. 
All right. Is there any public comment on approving the minutes? Uh, no, pub no public comment for this. All right. We'll close public comment, and we can hold a vote. President Blyman? Aye. Vice, Vice President Camino? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. Aye. All right. The meeting minutes have been approved. And the next agenda item is number four, which is a report from our acting director. Thanks, President Blyman. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, so just a reminder, Director Weiland is on vacation until August 1st, and I will be serving as her designee as acting director until then. Um, the acting director's report is really brief tonight. I just wanted to make mention that the fact um, Director Weiland submitted a complaint for suspension for place of entertainment permit EC 1452 DBA Stratos nightclub this past Friday. The complaint was sent to all of you as well as the permit holder. In response, President Blyman sent over a notice of hearing document to department staff and the permit holder yesterday, care of Commission Secretary May Leong. Although we cannot speak about anything substantive on this matter at this time, I did want to note that the hearing for this suspension is currently scheduled for our next regularly uh, scheduled commission hearing, which is August 1st, and per that notice of the hearing that we all receive. So if you have any questions regarding this matter prior to the hearing, please be advised that you should communicate those directly with President Blyman and Commission Secretary Leong, as you all have your own city attorney assigned to support you, who is separate from Director Wylan and um, my council. Uh, thank you. Let me know if you have any questions. Any questions for our acting director? All right. Is there any public comment on the acting director's report? No public comment for this item. Okay. We'll close public comment and we can move on to number five, which is a report from our senior inspector in the field. Good evening, commissioners. We have received 157 311 complaints since our last commission hearing a month ago. I have a few updates below, but please let me know if you have any questions. The first update is for Stratos Nightclub, located at 358 Ocean Avenue. Stratos holds a POE permit with our office. Due to the violent incident that occurred at Stratos on June 10th, which you are familiar with, Inspector Fiorentino dropped off a 72-hour public safety suspension to Stratos at 9 p.m. on June 30th. The suspension was in effect in effect from 9 p.m. on Friday, June 30th through 9 p.m. on Monday, July 3rd. On Saturday, July 1st, inspectors Fiorentino and Zelenak conducted a security compliance check at 11.20 p.m. During the inspection, they found multiple violations of the approved security plan conditions. Violations were found as follows. Not all security guards were wearing easily identifiable clothing. There was no female security guard on site, which resulted in female patrons not being patted down upon entry. The metal detecting wand was not in use. And of the six security guards on site, only three were able to furnish state-issued guard cards. <clears throat> Inspector Fiorentino spoke with the manager about the reason for their visit, and he inquired about the above violations. The manager confronted the security guards about not using the metal detector wand, and they explained that there was a battery issue. They did get it to work, and they said they would make sure to use it moving forward. When asked about the lack of a female guard, the manager stated that he had requested one from the security company, but she did not show up. That night, all of the female patrons who entered the venue were not patted down. Inspector Fiorentino reiterated that these were all requirements of their security plan, to which management stated that he understood. Stratos Nightclub was issued a citation for violating the aforementioned security plan conditions on Friday, July 7th. 
EC staff continues to visit Stratus every weekend for compliance checks, and on July 8th and July 15th, they were in full compliance. My second update is about Trinity Irish Bar and Restaurant, located at 1851 Union Street. They're currently in the application process for an LLP permit and had their intake meeting with Deputy Director Azevedo on Thursday, July 6th. On Friday, July 7th, I dropped off their yellow poster, noticing the public of their application, and the bartender who accepted the sign exclaimed that they could now host DJs, to which I replied, the yellow poster is not a permit, but rather a notice to the public of the LLP permit application. The bartender seemed to understand this, however, we learned that nonetheless, there was a DJ later that night. On Saturday, July 8th, Inspector Zelenak responded to a 311 complaint at 9.30 p.m., and upon arrival, she observed a DJ performing in the back room. She spoke with the on-site manager, who stated that he was told by the owner of the business that they were allowed to have a DJ, and that yellow sign in front of the window was to extend their entertainment permit hours to 2 a.m. The manager was very apologetic and admitted that there had been a DJ on site the night before as well. The manager then had the DJ stop while Inspector Zelenak was on site. We received another sound complaint at 10.15 p.m. on July 8th, and Inspector Zelenak returned at 11.30 p.m. to find that although there was no DJ, the indoor pre-recorded music from the front and the back bars was even louder than when the DJ was performing. Trinity was issued a citation for again hosting entertainment without a permit on July 11th. Deputy Director Azevedo has since been in touch with the permit applicants who explained that there was a miscommunication and said this won't happen again. My next update is for Savoy Tivoli, a POE permit holder located at 1434 Grant Avenue. On July 8th at 9.13 p.m., we received a 311 complaint that Inspector Zelenak responded to at 10.15 p.m. Upon her arrival, she observed a live jazz band performing, and the sound measurement showed the volume of the band to be 7 dBA and 6 dBC over their approved sound limit. Inspector Zelenak also reported that security guards were measuring the sound from outside of the front entrance. However, the approved monitoring location is just inside the front door to the left. It's worth noting that Savoy Tivoli has a unique layout that is essentially open air at the front of the business. So when I set their sound limit, it was done with their sound curtains closed to avoid external sound bleed. When Inspector Zelenak responded to the complaint on July 8th, the curtains were not in use during entertainment. Deputy Director Azevedo issued a notice of violation for the operating above their allowable sound limit and reminded management that it's imperative they utilize their sound curtains during entertainment and that sound levels should be monitored from the designated spot check location on the permit so that readings are consistent with ours. My next update is about the Brixton, located at 2140 Union Street and holds an LLP with our office. On July 14th, we received a complaint stating excessive noise at the Brixton at 11.30 p.m. Inspector Zelenak responded to the complaint on July 15th at 11.05 p.m., and upon arrival, she observed a DJ performing. Sound measurements showed sound levels to be in compliance. When asked, the performer stated that he will be performing until 2 a.m. Management told Inspector Zelenak that they had a one-time permit for the event, allowing them to operate entertainment until 1.45 a.m. However, the business did not have a one-time permit with our office, so Deputy Director Azevedo issued a citation for this violation. 
She will provide more detail during her report on the Brixton. Lastly, I would like to update you on the page who holds a jam permit with our office. We continue to receive complaints about this location and have been responding regularly. Inspector Fiorentino has been in communication with one of the complainants who expressed their grievances on how the neighborhood has changed. Oftentimes the complaints come in during the week when we don't have staff in the field, but when our inspectors do respond and there is entertainment, they are compliant with their jam permit conditions. EC staff will continue to visit this business as complaints are lodged. And that is all. All right, thank you. Questions? Um, I noticed there's a uh, notice in the enforcement report about the McDonald's playing music. Is that new from the last meeting or that? It's not. It's not. It's that's not the new. old one. Okay. It's not that it's old. It's just um, it's the repeat visit. So the way that the timing cut off from the report. Got it. The action is the same as what you read yes. last time. Got it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I have a question. How many total complaints did we get from the Grateful Dead or the Dead concert? And how did that compare with, say, Lady Gaga? Or we got 18. 18? About 20, yeah. Yeah, it was less than 20, I know for sure. Interestingly, though, only 12 came in in real time. So and we didn't receive the remaining, like, six to eight until yesterday. Um, however, over the course of the three days, it was very, very minimal in comparison to, like, another large act that has occurred at Oracle Park. Like Beyonce. Like Beyonce. <laughs> Which I used as a, an example. Uh, yes. Because <laughs> we all do. <laughs> Any if of you served on the Entertainment Commission then or lived in San Francisco then, you used that as a person. Any from Alameda? Interesting. No. All right. I have no further questions. Anyone? No, thank you. All right. Is there any public comment on the senior inspector's report? No public comment for this item. All right, we will close this one and move on. The next agenda item is number six, which is uh, from a report from senior analyst Rice. Great, and if we could have the uh, screen for the laptop. There we go. All right, good evening. Dylan Rice here from the Entertainment Commission. Um, in this presentation, I'm going to update you on the EC's campaign to promote overdose prevention in the entertainment and nightlife community. To put things into context, let's go over the background and the need. In San Francisco and in cities across the nation, fentanyl has become the leading driver of accidental fatal overdoses. In our city, from January through May of this year, 79% of accidental fatal overdoses were from fentanyl, according to the recent medical examiner report in June. So what should we know about fentanyl? Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid that's 50 times more potent than heroin and 100 times more potent than morphine. Even a small amount of fentanyl can be fatal. 
People are using fentanyl to get high, and traces of fentanyl have also been found in street drugs such as cocaine. People may be unaware that their drugs have fentanyl in it, but whether they're aware or not, we want people to be prepared no matter what. The fentanyl crisis intersects and impacts the world of our constituents. Fentanyl and street drugs laced with fentanyl are showing up in nightlife and entertainment spaces. Our department has the platform and the duty to educate our industry on how to protect itself and its patrons by using overdose prevention strategies. Thanks to the vision and guidance of Commissioner Thomas, our harm reduction guru, uh, the EC is working to align with the city's and DPH's harm reduction goals and advocacy. So we're committed to responding to the crisis by raising awareness and promoting these life-saving interventions. So increasing access to Narcan, to fentanyl test strips, and training and education. So what are the goals of the campaign? Well, through targeted outreach, the campaign aims to raise awareness in the industry on the crisis and how it could access the tools and resources, to increase the industry's access to, like I said, Narcan, FTS, which is fentanyl test strips, and education, so our workers are empowered to take action. Narcan nasal spray is a life-saving tool that reverses an opioid overdose. While most first responders carry Narcan, they may not arrive in time to reverse an opioid overdose. What's great is that anyone can carry Narcan and anyone can give it to someone having an overdose and potentially save a life. Which brings us to our primary goal, which is ultimately to save lives. Here's an overview of the campaign's outreach activities to date. We have done this outreach in partnership with DPH through both online and in-person trainings, sharing resources, and increasing access to supplies. So these next slides are going to go over these activities in detail. So at our summit this past June, we debuted our overdose prevention and nightlife training video that we developed with DPH and SFGovTV. To give it a unique nightlife flavor, uh, we enlisted the help of local drag queen and harm reductionist Kachina Rude to star in the video and lead the training. Kachina, as you probably know, has been doing Narcan trainings in the community at drag shows and other nightlife spaces to great acclaim. So this video that we did is a step-by-step -step on recognizing the signs of an overdose, how to use Narcan to reverse an overdose, and how to use fentanyl test strips to detect if there's fentanyl in the drugs. The video also points people to where they can find more information and resources. We're asking all of our stakeholders in our outreach to share the training video with their staff, with their patrons, and anyone in the community. I'm going to play for you a few minutes, just an excerpt of the video, so you can you can see Kachina in action. How to recognize the signs of an overdose? Not responding and won't wake up. Shallow breathing or not breathing. Blue or gray skin, lips or fingernails. Next, I'm going to show you how to reverse an overdose using naloxone or Narcan. 
If you do not have Narcan, call 911 immediately or have a friend call 911 for you. Give the dispatcher your location and tell them someone is not responding or not breathing. The first thing you want to do is provide verbal stimulation. Try to wake the person up. Hello? Ah! Ah! If that doesn't work, provide physical stimulation. Rub your knuckles up and down on the center of the chest to stimulate pain. I promise, this really hurts. If they still don't wake up, it's time to administer Narcan. You want to remove the Narcan from its packaging, insert the nozzle into the nostril, and press the plunger firmly. You may administer a second dose after two minutes. If somebody has not yet called 911, do so now. Give the dispatcher your location and tell them someone is not responding or not breathing. Now I'm going to show you how to give them life, baby, or perform rescue breathing. You want to pinch their nose, tilt their head back, provide two breaths to start, then one breath every five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. If you've ever made out with a stranger at a bar, you can do this. Thank you, Kachina Rude. So there's a lot more to see. There's a whole eight minutes of uh, great training, including fentanyl test strips. Uh, so to coincide with the video, we created a resource page on our EC website with resources geared towards the industry. You'll see the URL right there. So here are just some screenshots on the web page, we host the training video. We have a step-by-step -step graphic. There's also one uh, from DPH in front of you right now, which is their palm card on the steps, uh, where to find Narcan and supplies, and links to other resources and service organizations. So to help deepen this outreach at a grassroots level, we have started piloting in-person trainings and distribution of supplies with Kashina Rood and in partnership with DPH. Special thanks to Commissioner Thomas again and also Commissioner Torres for your support in making this happen. Uh, we kicked off with an event at Midnight Sun in June in collaboration with the Castro LGBTQ Cultural District and the AIDS Foundation. We had between 15 and 20 attendees just the beginning, right? Uh, so next up in August, I'm excited that we are planning mini trainings with Kachina at larger drag events and dance parties. Kachina will be hosting them. Uh, we're going to do one at Oasis at a TB date in August for their princess uh, showcase, and then one at El Rio for daytime realness on August 20th. I will make sure you know the confirmed date as soon as possible where we'll be, you know, of course, doing the training and distributing Narcan, fentanyl test strips, and educational materials. These upcoming events I'm excited about because they're really well attended. We'll probably reach at least 500 people. So this is one of my favorite slides. This is impacts on the campaign to date. 
Um, so I'm excited to report that we have had substantial engagement since the campaign launched at the beginning of June. So by far, the highest impact has been the training video, thanks to our friend Kachina's huge following on Instagram and TikTok. These add up to a combined total of over 109,000 views and over 5,800 likes across all platforms. And already, we're seeing our permit holders hearing about this campaign and reaching out to DPH, to their Office of Overdose Prevention, to do in-person trainings with their staff. Uh, Eileen Loughran from the office confirmed that she's already trained uh, ACEs and the HARA bar, and then she's also confirmed to do trainings with BIMBOs, Shanghai Kellys, and four of Nate Valentine's bars. Looking ahead, we want to continue this momentum and keep working towards our goals of industry access and empowerment and ultimately, like I said, save lives. After completing the pilot uh, in August, we will assess how everything went, the impacts, and consider expanding to you know, more venues, neighborhoods, communities. We're also going to continue supporting DPH in their ongoing efforts to increase awareness and access. And we want to ensure that our industry remains connected and resourced as a part of these efforts. And then finally, you know, as our commission um, continues to deliberate on, on this, you know, we can explore making policies that would advance overdose prevention goals. For instance, could our department require all permit holders to have Narcan on site with trained staff as a part of their permit conditions? You know, how could we realize this vision of Narcan behind every bar, which is a vision that Commissioner Thomas had articulated early on? And what's interesting is, you know, the FDA recently approved the uh, Narcan nasal spray to be over a counter, but we're still waiting to hear about the timeline for implementation and what the cost will be for the consumer uh, from both the FDA and the drug maker. So we're just going to wait and see uh, how that pans out. So that wraps up the presentation. Let me know if you have any questions, and thank you so much for your time. Um, I just wanted to say a huge thanks to Dylan and um, all the rest of the Entertainment Commission staff for taking this and running with it, and also for uh, you know the, the cross-departmental um, work with the Department of Public Health, and it's been really great to be able to uh, you know, take the, the work that I do into new um, <laughs> and more exciting venues. So I'm, I'm excited that we've been able to do this. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people to <coughs> thank for the video, including SFGov TV, Eileen, Ben Blyman, of course, of course. for starring uh, in the video, <laughs> too. Um, so, yeah, I just want to say thank you, and I'm excited. And uh, we're still trying to work to see if we can get more fentanyl test strip supplies for bars and venues in San Francisco. I know that's something that people are really interested in, having more of them on hand to be able to distribute. So yeah. that'll be our next, our next call. Thank, Thank you. you. I wanna echo the words of Commissioner Thomas. Kudos to you and everybody who worked on this campaign. And uh, I think this is the first time that the EC has been involved in a trending campaign on social media. So <laughs> let's all feel that. 
except for my colleague <laughs> over here, who's a TikTok star. Um, <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, I really do think this is a great um, um, project, and I hope that we continue to leverage the creativity and um, also the platforms so that we can reach larger audiences. So congratulations. Thank you. And I do want to just say there's, you know, there are folks all over the country who are working on this similarly. There's uh, musicians um, against overdose group, and there are people who've been doing trainings at particularly at large music festivals um, around the country. So we're not the only ones doing this. You know, New York had Narcan behind the bar before we did. So um, we're, we are, we're stepping up and um, playing our own leadership role, but there are also a lot of other people in the music industry in particular who are concerned about this. Just also want to echo gratitude to Dylan and all the Entertainment Commission staff and <clears throat> Commissioner Thomas for having led the way on this for so long. Um, we really are, it's just amazing. It feels, it just feels great, frankly, to know that we're actually helping to save lives. So thank you. Yeah, um, I'll make my comments brief, but uh, Commissioner Thomas, I just think it's amazing that you spearheaded this with our staff. And um, I love that, you know, each commissioner comes with certain things that they're passionate about outside of just the specifics of entertainment. I love to see when we're able to leverage those. I know cultural districts is something near and dear to your heart. And Dory's always talking about communicating, you know, more, more better or a, a more effective way. And Sin and I are always working on land use and permitting and, and zoning and things like that. So it's just amazing to see that, you know, we can do the work that we do in here during our commissions and then also utilize this this team and, and, and our greater reach. I also want to point out that um, 100,005 views from Cochina Rood and 500 for us is about the ratio that I would expect. So that's it. Yeah. I think it's a great model, though, right? Rather than asking a city department to try to yeah. somehow go viral, then we partner with people who have that ability themselves. So yeah, it's great. Great yeah. point. All right. Is there any public comment on this agenda item? Yes, there's one online. One second. An online comment. Barry, can you uh, unmute yourself? Mr. Toronto, can you unmute yourself? Okay. So, Barry, I'm sorry, but it seems like we can't hear you. Uh, we have allowed you to talk, but 
you have to unmute yourself. So if you'd like, we can you can write something in the chat and then we can move forward. And then once we receive your comment in the chat, we can read it out loud for the record. Uh, no, so you, you're allowed to publicly comment, so that would mean stepping forward and providing comments, but it is not a, a Q&A. So uh, you can say what's on your mind, but there will be no response from the commission for that. Y yes, yes. You, can, you can make a public comment. No worries, yeah. Um, and, and thank you so much. Um, my, I just curious questions, and maybe you guys have uh, you guys been doing this for quite a while. One, how many? Zyke, uh, what's the name of the drug? Sorry, Narcan. 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 Yeah. How many Narcans are required at every event? But if we have one event and we run out of Narcan, what does the event manager does then? Is there a number? So that's just a thought process. And what's the cost of Narcan? I, I know you are saying it's over the counter, but would love to at least understand what's the cost of it. And is there a, if the venue owner or organizer runs out of Narcan, is there any ramification for them that you ran out of one Narcan and you didn't have another? Is there any liability is all I'm asking. Thank you. Um, and um, though this is not a Q&A, our staff can follow up with you and help you answer those, those questions. Um, I saw somebody else with a speaker, speaker card. If you have a comment on this topic specifically. Okay. Um, did we get anything from the interwebs? Yeah, let's try Barry again. My, inter my internet went down. I'm sorry. It's okay. the, why run I'm talking? I can't believe it. <laughs> anyway, let me finish. Um, so uh, with that story I told you about, um, I think it would be great to make it easier for drivers to get it. I know you can get it from Glide, but the hours are inconsistent and, uh, and you have to find parking. So, uh, so it would be great if somehow they've either provided to the S some uh, doses to the SFMTA who can give out to us. I'm willing to show the video to a meeting of the San Francisco Taxi Workers Alliance. I've seen it twice already. I love it. I, I was at the uh, entertainment summit and saw it. So I think it's important to make Narcan available to taxi drivers who um, who, who are outside the, the a lot of these venues and uh, underloin establishments who uh, who may be able to save a life. Uh, so let's see if we can work together and, and make it easier for cab drivers to get Narcan doses. Thank you. Thank you. After you speak. All right. Any further comments on this agenda item? No more public comment for this item. All right, then we can close this and move on to number seven, which is hearing and possible action regarding applications for permits under the jurisdiction of the Entertainment Commission. And we're going to start with the consent agenda, which uh, Commission Secretary Mei Liang is going to introduce for us. Yes, thank you. So there's going to be some uh, two possible actions that we're going to take, and I just, I'll make the report, take the action, make the report, take the action. 
Great. So we have three applications on the consent agenda tonight, two of which are for indoor LLP permits, and one is for a one-time outdoor event permit with extended duration. Um, to note, uh, SFPD did not have any recommended conditions to add to them. Uh, okay, so here it comes. First, we did learn yesterday that the kickback, who is on the consent tonight, did not complete their outreach in time for the hearing. We'd like to request that you continue their application until our next hearing so they can ensure the outreach is done correctly. So motion. All right, we'll start with that. So do we have a motion to continue the kickback to a future hearing? So moved. Second. All right, is there any public comment on the kickback specifically and our idea of moving them to a future hearing. And no comments for this item. All right, we'll close public comment on that and we can vote. President Blyman? Aye. Vice President Camino? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. Okay, so we will be moving that item to the next meeting. Okay, so we also received some updates recently regarding the one-time outdoor event permit with extended duration. Um, so that one is for the uh, Community Youth Center of SFDBA Rose Park Station Upper Plaza. So yesterday an adjustment was made by the applicant for the Rose Park Station Upper Plaza activation to change the start time on Sundays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. following a request from the nearby Presbyterian Church Chinatown to not have activity during their services. The change has been reflected in the staff recommendations below. I also received a letter uh, through the post office from residents at 940 Washington Street regarding their concerns about noise that may arise. This letter is included in your folders. In the letter, they stated that they are not against the event, yet do not support it due to grave concerns over the noise. The letter was signed by 12 residents total. I spoke with the complainant regarding their concerns and let them know the resources available to them regarding the noise. I also spoke with the applicant regarding the complainant and they assured us that they will respond quickly should they receive any requests to turn on the music, etc. Another concern that the complainant brought up was that the outreach letter was not translated to Chinese, which decreased access to the information. Though an oversight that we hope to remedy as an office, we feel that the outreach has been done sufficiently and in advance enough for neighbors to reply with concerns, uh, from examples of the Presbyterian Church and the complainant herself. I recommend that we continue the item on the consent agenda, but open the floor to the commissioners if you want to move the item to the regular agenda for questions and discussion with the applicant. Otherwise, uh, staff are recommending that you approve the consent items A and C with the staff recommended conditions below. All right, so there's a, two different motions that somebody could do here. One is to motion to approve the consent agenda with the staff recommendations. The other is to pull off that one and put it on the regular agenda and I'll open to my fellow commissioners here to see who wants to start. I move the consent calendar as written. Seconded. With staff recommendations. With staff recommendations. Is there any discussion we want to have about that? I'm okay with that personally. All right. Is there any public comment on the consent agenda as it is? Uh, there's one comment online. One moment.
Vincent, Hello. please unmute yourself. You have three uh, minutes. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hey, um, I am Vincent. I, I am on 962 Washington off of for the Rose Pack station. Um, I work from home, and Fridays are still work days. Um, and it's still a school day. So um, just want to leave a comment there that, um, yeah, the extended amplified sound on Fridays will kind of be a distraction for not only the school across the street from me, but also me while I work from home. So I would appreciate if it wasn't loud during the Fridays too, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's it for me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Is there any more public comment? Uh, that's that's it for public comment on that item. Okay. Any comments from commissioners before we proceed with voting? Okay. All right. Great. Uh, President Blyman. Aye. Vice President Camino. Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. All right, the consent agenda has been approved. Um, and now we will move on to uh, the first of five permit applications we have on the regular agenda. Thanks, President Blyman. The first permit on our agenda this evening, a regular agenda this evening, is for a place of entertainment permit for the Foundry, located at 1425 Folsom Street. The Foundry is an event space that currently holds an LLP permit from our office, and they are now applying for a POE permit thanks to recently passed legislation that expanded nighttime entertainment zoning controls in parts of SOMA, which is very exciting news for businesses located in the area. Currently under the LLP permit, the Foundry hosts private events with entertainment, including live music, DJs, comedy, drag shows, and karaoke. If approved for the POE permit, they will continue hosting the same types of entertainment, only with a later end time of 2 a.m. The applicant conducted neighborhood outreach by sending 18 letters to their surrounding residential and commercial neighbors. They also received one signed letter of support, and all of this is included in your file tonight. There was no opposition for the permit, and SF SFPD Southern Station approved the permit application with their standard calendaring condition. Here to speak with you this evening is the owner, Alan Aronoff. Hi, <clears throat> not used to public speaking. Um, I'm the owner of the, the, San, of the, uh, the Folsom Street Foundry. Thank you for having me. Um, I am the owner, but I like to consider myself more of a caretaker for this venue. Um, you know, I, I consider um, San Francisco having a vibrant nightlife incredibly important and providing a safe and respectful public venue, private, public and private venue serves um, to serve the wonderful and diverse communities that exist in the city is uh, something that's very dear to my heart. Um, I have a a passion for the performing arts. I started as a busboy at the uh, 1015 Folsom Club and uh, became a barback and then eventually went on to be a um, music producer in the city. I've DJed, I've been in bands, I've uh, been a visual digital artist in the city. Uh, 
helps pr um, produce uh, online live streams for many events. And it's been uh, a real passion of mine to be involved in the performing arts. And I really do want to thank this commission, especially for helping um, promote uh, the expansion of uh, the place of entertainment um, zoning. With, you know, in West Soma, it's been an, an you know, incredible um, act of support. And uh, oh, um, here's some pictures of the venue. Thank you so much. Uh, um, this is this is uh, the foundry. Um, um, so, um, and I just again want to thank the uh, for the advocacy of the commission to help um, promote nightlife in in San Francisco. Um, we have done outreach as. Um, Ms. Acevedo has, has mentioned, and we believe we have the support of our neighbors, both residential and commercial, and uh, just want to continue to provide um, a venue for both public and private events and be a part of uh, nightlife in the city. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. So you can stay up there just in case there's any questions for you. Not sure there are. I just had a couple. Um, one was uh, since you are you is going to be an all ages venue, correct? It is. We have a forty seven. So we do actually. We've had everything from Blue Bear School of Music has uh, their um, showcases there. We've had high school prom events. Of course, we have you know no alcohol and uh, for 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 uh, under twenty one events. But it's you know we enjoy being able to have uh, that type of venue to be accessible to. Um, um, clients who uh, are under 21, like like high school proms. We had the uh, Soda uh, High School Prom for the School of the Performing Arts. Again, uh, Blue Bear School of Music does their showcases there. So it is a combination of um, you know over 21 and under 21. Yeah, I, I appreciate that because there are very limited venues that are all ages, and, and that's an important component. I just wanted to make sure that um, for your staff, that are the you know the the security because I know there's no there's no formal security plan but that the the staff and uh, oh there is yeah okay there is a formal security plan it's part of the application okay and it's the um, last section before the legal attestations. But to answer, we do take that incredibly yeah. seriously. We have you know, wristbands and you know security and chaperones. Lead certified guard card. And uh, yes, everyone of course is all of our security. I only ask because, I, as I brought up in a previous hearing, that there are more challenges to nightlife workers right now. The alcoholic beverage control has narrowed the criteria for bona fide identification, and this is challenging. I know for myself and other. Um, folks that work in this industry, so I know that this would be a, another another layer to this. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, the other part that I was going to ask: Have you engaged with Soma Pilipinas and Leather and LGBTQ cultural districts? Well, we are close with the Leather um, Cultural District. Uh, they um, they do our their anniversary events at our uh, venue. I have not engaged with the Filipina um, um, organization, but I know that they are very involved in that area, and, and I would be happy to have any kind of um, interaction with them if, um, on any 
use for the space or concerns or help that we can give. I mean, we had a, a town hall event for District 6 um, at the space a few, uh, last year, and I love being a resource for the, um, for the area, for District 6 and the community at large. So um, I'm here to, to, to help and to you know, provide my you know, re resource, the venue. Sounds sounds good. And um, uh, if uh, staff would be willing to help him connect with me, I can connect him with Soma Pelopinas as well. Thank you. Further questions? All right, you can have a seat. Thank you very so much. I move approval with staff recommendations. I second. All right. Is there any public comment on this agenda item? No public comment for this item. Close public comment, and we can vote. President Blyman? Aye. Vice President Camino? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. Uh, Commissioner Thomas? <laughs> Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. I almost voted for you. <laughs> Surprise. All right, congratulations. You've been approved. Just follow up with our staff at your earliest uh, convenience. Thank you. Moving along. Great. The next permit on our regular agenda is for an outdoor LLP permit for the crossing at East Cut, located at 250 Main Street. This used to be a bus terminal, but has since been converted into an outdoor multi-use area that includes outdoor soccer, food vendors, an outdoor movie theater, and a gym. The crossing also hosts community events and has held a jam permit since November of 2021. They are on the regular agenda tonight because they are seeking to increase their allowable hours of entertainment and amplified sound to 10 hours per day between the hours of 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. To clarify, the outdoor amplified sound and entertainment would not occur simultaneously and the live entertainment would not exceed four hours per day. The reason for the expanded request is to accommodate their use of ambient pre-recorded music or amplified sound during events, which may fall between the hours of 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. This conditioning would allow them to continue their current operations and remain compliant with their LLP permit if approved. The applicants conducted extensive outreach by a letter, uh, sending a letter out to all of their surrounding residential neighbors. They also received a letter of support from the HOA president at the Lumina building, which is located across the street from the crossing, as well as 22 signatures of support from nearby residential neighbors. All of this outreach is included in your file tonight, and there was no opposition for the permit, and Southern Station added their standard calendaring condition. Here to speak with you this evening is operations manager Garrick Mitchler. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, I'm just going to put in a. Okay. All right, thank you very much. So I'm the operations manager at uh, the East Cut CBD. We recently took over the crossing at East Cut, which as was said, is the old Greyhound terminal. Uh, eventually this space will be developed into housing and then there will be a public park in the middle, one acre park. But until then, we're activating the space for the community, trying to revitalize downtown. So I'll give you some uh, little info. So this is the crossing. So it has an outdoor cinema, soccer field, gym, pickleball courts. Uh, there's a food area. And we're trying to kind of ramp up the space as the summer happens. Uh, on the south side is residential towers. On the north side are commercial buildings. Uh, so our music, our amplified sound will be where this pink bubble is. Uh, there'll be music. There'll be uh, just 
ambient music, live bands, things like that. Uh, there's a picture here. The speakers will be facing north, so away from residential buildings. Um, and typically, most of the music played throughout the week will be kind of just ambient music towards the bar. All right. And then so here's just some of the permit usage. Here there's a photo right next to it. So we had a Halloween event. We had like a plant repotting station so residents can bring their pots from their apartments so they don't have to make a mess in their apartments. Uh, a lot of community events. First and foremost, this space is a public good. So we're trying to offer this space for free programming, community events, and to help sustain the space, we do rent the pickleball courts, the beer garden for uh, commercial use for businesses in the neighborhood, or if there's a convention, uh, people can come have parties or whatnot at the space. So here's some just photos of things that we've done in the past. I'll go cl uh, clockwise. We have a farmer's market. So right now, every Thursday from 4 to 7, we have a farmer's market going on. People can come. There's music. Uh, there's activities, retail vendors, farmers. Um, the next photo, we have part of our summer block party. This was just a, a balloon toss for families. We had about 1,000 people come to this event. Uh, there was live music, balloon twisting, food, everything pretty much for the, the uh, community. And then last, probably the most popular, is our pickleball courts. Always very, very busy. Uh, we have some fans here <laughs> that are uh, here to kind of support the continued usage of this space and the pickleball courts. Uh, they're free, open to the public whenever they want. Uh, gets really, really busy. Sometimes the waits can be quite long. And then here going clockwise, so we also hosted the Holy Festival um, in the top left. Um, and then we have some live music. And then last November, December, we hosted uh, live World Cup watch parties. We're actually going to do the Women's World Cup coming up this Friday. And then August 10th, there's another, the uh, quarterfinals for the Women's World Cup. And then the bottom left, we had our Halloween event that we do every year, uh, just open to the community. We have about, uh, right now, 35% affordable housing in the neighborhood that's coming. Uh, I'll go back to... So two of these residential towers are all 100% affordable housing. So we definitely cater to a lot of the affordable housing residents by having free programs, bounce house, things like that, face painting, uh, and then music. So this was the outreach that was, out, that was conducted. I think it was in your packet. So about 47 uh, building managers, which represent most of the towers around the space. Uh, and then 130 commercial property managers as we are stewards of the general neighborhood from 2nd Street to the Embarcadero, Mission Street down to Harrison. And then we sent out about 2,900 newsletters uh, to our subscribers. If anyone has any questions. Thank you for your substantial outreach and all the great programming and work you do for the community. It seems like a great public good. and. Um, I'm sure it's something that uh, has a lot of support and appreciation from the community. I see here you have no opposition in the file, so um, you definitely have my support. I just want to say that no matter what music you have outdoors, if it's Pantera or um, Nine Inch Nails or Megadeth, uh, nothing will be louder than your pickleball courts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Typically, we pay Frank Sinatra during the day, during the lunch hour. It'll be so. drowned out. Well, we don't permit pickle courts. Pickleballs is not our problem, but it'll be drowned out by that. 
Um, all right, no further questions, so you can have a seat. Um, and we'll start with motions, and then we'll do public. I move to approve with staff recommendations. Second. All right, um, public comment on this agenda item. If you'd like to speak, you can step up, you can line up, you can make a mad rush for it. Yeah, come on up. Hello, uh, my name is Patrick Kelly, and um, I live at 280 Beale Street, which is the Natalie Gubb Commons complex. So it's afford an affordable housing building, and this is my year anniversary of living there, and I, I love living in the East Cut. It's, it's a wonderful neighborhood, and a big part of that is having uh, the uh, facilities right next door, um, especially for, for me, pickleball. So it's very, very easy to go over and play, and um, it's very fun. Um, and uh, so the space has grown, and um, actually our complex recently rented the space for our five-year anniversary. So um, it's, it's a, a, a space that's uh, very popular and well-used. And um, since I do live directly across from the, the, cro the crossing, I, I, I do hear the music and it doesn't bother me at all. And um, uh, having it in, in, within a set out period of uh, time is um, probably one of the biggest benefits. I used to live across the street from Dolores Park, which had no, perm no permits for, for music. So there'd be music going on all, all night long. So I enjoy the music that's played there. And, um, and the time frame for me seems reasonable. And um, the way that it's set up, having the live music uh, go north, so it goes towards the um, non-residential areas is a, is a, a big help. There's, that's right behind a big container. So, um, and that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Me again, the, the first timer. Um, my name is Shazad Khan. I am one of the residents. I live across the, the, the area in a building called Infinity. So just a kitty corner from the area. And uh, Mr. President, Ben, you're, you're right. Pickleball could be loud, but that, that this area has become the heart of, of um, Soma, or heart of Eastcott, at least. And we appreciate everything the East Cut team has done. Um, and I, I wanted to uh, provide support that um, they, in, in the city that is very quiet and during uh, COVID, there was nobody there. We appreciate people coming in to a central location. They come from not just from our area, but they come from everywhere in, in the peninsula. Just not to just play pickleball, it has become one of those glues that, or, or honey that brings the, everybody together, but it's been a blessing in a way because most of us have been sitting in, in the towers and, and waiting on, or meeting on Zoom calls. It gets us the ability to get out and exercise a little. Uh, EastCut team has done an excellent job on maintaining them. Uh, and giving us an option, frankly, to, to get it going. So we uh, wanted to take a few minutes to say um, that this team is doing an excellent job. We hope that this continues to grow. This becomes the, the heart of our community, and, uh, and, and, and we, will, we will love to continue uh, seeing the, the new park coming there, as well as uh, the other amenities that, that the, the, the community is providing. So I'm here as a resident that lives across the street from, uh, from there to support this, this permit. So I just wanted to, to point that out. Thank you so much for your time. 
Thank you. Any further comments on this agenda item? We have a few on Zoom. I'm going to bring in Veronica. Veronica, if you can hear me, please unmute yourself, and you have three minutes. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, thank you. Hello. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, my name is Veronica Kai. I'm also a resident at the um, East Cut Crossing. Uh, I just want to echo uh, Zazad and also Patrick's point about uh, the wonderful work that the C CBT team has done for the area. I mean, other than just, you know, increasing traffic, commercial viability, um, it really kept the homeless situation at bay, which is appreciated, you know, by the residents a hundred percent and over. So I just wanted to share that, and I thank you um, for the opportunity, and I definitely support this permit uh, being passed. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we have a caller. Caller, if you can hear this, please unmute yourself and state your name, and you have three minutes. Hi, my name is Katina Johnson, and I live uh, right off of Guy and Lansing. I'm a couple of blocks away from the crossing, uh, but I also wanted to reiterate uh, my support board and echo the things that the other folks who've spoken um, uh, before me have said. Uh, the crossing is basically the hub for the community. Um, I've been living here since 2009, and we have been trying very, very hard to build a, a community and a neighborhood and a neighborhood identity, and this is the place for it. So, you know, one Saturday I went down there and found myself riding a horse, which was totally not on my bingo card for that day. Um, but, you know, it is the place where everything's going on, and the more that we can bring into the community, uh, the better. And I think this uh, is really important for having more activities there, more gatherings, and also um, it's, it's, it's an asset uh, to the folks who come in to work uh, on, on, during the weekdays. So um, I just uh, want to reiterate my support. Thank you. Thank you. All right. No more public comment on this. All right. We will close public comment, and the motions have been made. President Blyman? Aye. Vice President Camino? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. All right. Congratulations. It's been approved. Uh, please follow up with our staff at your earliest convenience. The next permit on our regular agenda is for a fixed place amplified sound permit for Bacchus Wine and Saki Bar located at 1954 Hyde Street. Bacchus is a very small business with only an indoor occupancy load of 12 people. They have a parklet, although this F-Pass permit would be for fixed speakers at the front of their business to play ambient music for their patrons as well as attract potential customers. The applicant is seeking to the ability to host Amplified Sound Tuesday through Sunday between the hours of 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. For outreach, the applicant passed out 26 letters in total, 10 of which went to one nearby residential building, and the 16 others went to the other nearby residential building. 
We did receive three inquiries about the application voicing concern, um, but this was following Bacchus's one-time pride block party, and folks were concerned that the F-Pass permit was for live entertainment. I educated the individuals, and I also put them in touch with the permit holder directly. Central Station included their standard calendaring condition, and here to speak with you virtually is Bauman Safari. I'm bringing Bauman Safari in right now. Hello. Hello. We can see you and hear you. Can you hear us? Great. Yeah, okay. I can. Thank you. Hi. Uh, my name is Bauman Safari. I am the manager of Habibi Bar at Bacchus. Uh, I've been in the industry for almost 20 years. Uh, I've been behind a wine bar for over 10. Uh, I started, well, me and my former business partner started this kind of venture, this long-term pop-up, as it were, during the pandemic almost three years ago. And since then, we've kind of become very much uh, ingrained in the neighborhood. We're a community space that's focused around wine. Um, we're applying for the F-Pass permit simply to continue playing music for our patrons. Uh, maybe you can see right up here, there's a speaker mounted on the inside of our business. Uh, that window slides open and then there's a little parklet out uh, on the street. And basically we just wanna be able to provide a uh, fun, lively atmosphere for our patrons uh, while being respectful to the community. Uh, I've done some outreach. I sent out, uh, like Ms. Azevedo said, 26 letters to people in this building and the one right across the alley. Um, and yeah, I fielded some emails from neighbors who I think were a little confused. We put up the... Uh, we put up the yellow notice in the window for this hearing around the same time, just before we had the pride block party. So I think there was a little bit of confusion, like, oh, this is something that is going to become more regular. Um, but yeah, basically we just wanna keep on doing as we were during the pandemic under the jam permit and provide music to our patrons. Okay, thank you, Mr. Freedom. Um, commissioners, do you have any question for the applicant? All right, no questions. I don't have any, so motions first and then we can listen for public comment. Your turn. Oh, motion to approve with staff recommendations. Second. All right, is there any public comment on this agenda item? No public comment for this item. All right, we'll close public comment and we can vote. President Blyman? Aye. Vice President Camino? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. All right, that one has been approved. Moving on. 
The next permit on our regular agenda is for an LLP permit that includes outdoor entertainment and amplified sound on the back patio of Neon, located at 1974 Union Street. Neon is a co-working space and cafe that has become a neighborhood hub in the marina. The applicant is applying for an LLP permit to be able to host indoor comedy, open mic nights, and small bands. Additionally, they'd like to host outdoor acoustic live music, small bands, uh, comedy and open mic nights. They are requesting the ability to host the outdoor activity between 9 a.m. and 10 p.m., but the entertainment would not exceed four hours per day and the amplified sound would not exceed six hours per day total. The applicant conducted extensive neighborhood outreach by sending out 66 letters to their surrounding neighbors, 48 of which were to residences. They also received 67 signed letters of support from residential neighbors, along with a letter of support from the Union Street merchants and Northern neighbors. There was no opposition for this permit, and SFPD Northern Station did not have any added recommendations. Here to speak with you tonight is the owner, Teddy Kramer. Good evening. Uh, I have a pres quick presentation that I can fly through super quickly. Okay, so just super quickly who I am. Again, Teddy Kramer, owner of Neon. Uh, I am also the one of the co-founders of North Beach Delivers, uh, which during the pandemic uh, supported over 50 small businesses throughout North Beach, Chinatown, and Russian Hill. Uh, we delivered food uh, for local residents who couldn't get out, and we generated a little over 250 grand uh, in uh, money for uh, over 50 individual businesses uh, across North Beach, Chinatown, and Russian Hill. I'm also the founder of the Small Business Boogie, which supports uh, local small businesses by doing small business crawls throughout commercial corridors uh, throughout San Francisco. Uh, we're partnered with uh, the Office of Small Business and the Chamber of Commerce, uh, and I am the former local business chair of the Russian Hill Neighbors until I left the neighborhood and moved to the inner Richmond. Uh, I'm also on the board of Next Village, which supports seniors in District 2 and District 3 uh, across uh, San Francisco. Um, I've been working on Neon since 2018. I was two weeks away from signing a lease in March of 2020. Dodged a bullet. Um, and I have been working on my dream ever since. Uh, found the space, this beautiful space, in uh, 20, uh, summer of 2022, uh, and got my keys on March 1st and opened on June 1st. Um, a little bit about us, again, we're a drop-in workspace. Uh, some people like to use the term co-working, uh, but we try and avoid that uh, because there's no membership, there's no contract, there's no commitment. Uh, people just come into the space and get to work for five bucks an hour, 25 bucks a day, and get unlimited Cyclass coffee, uh, tea and water. Um, and we are also obviously a neighborhood and community event space, which is part of the reason why we're here. Uh, we give the, way, the space away for free for local nonprofits and community groups um, and folks who wanna hire out the space for private events, we do that as well. Uh, and we also support local artists and retailers by selling their works on our wall uh, and our spotlight wall and we take zero commission as well. Our application for the LLP, uh, we're looking to do live music, nothing more than a trio. We don't have that much space. We're only 2,000 square feet inside and 1,500 square feet outside. Uh, we wanna have DJs for any uh, private events as well as our own events. We wanna do live comedy. We've had a lot of interest, particularly because there isn't much comedy in, in the marina and Cow Hollow area. Uh, we do our own trivia nights during the pandemic for my own sanity. I became a trivia host, so we wanna do monthly trivia nights. Uh, and finally, uh, we wanna do neighbor nights, which is an opportunity to work with local nonprofits and groups who are looking to uh, recruit young people. As you know, the marina and Cow Hollow is a lot of young folks uh, who are part of the city interactive but don't know enough about the amazing groups that work in the city, whether it be Habitat for Humanity, Next Village, or Together SF, groups like that, so we wanna connect them together. Um, as you know, and, and our file says, uh, we blanketed the entire block 
uh, for outreach. Uh, we dropped off over 66 uh, individual letters uh, to residences and all the businesses, both on our block and across the street. Uh, and we received overwhelming support, 65 letters of support, as well as from the Union Street Merchants, Northern Neighbors, as well as Perry's. And uh, while they didn't provide uh, formal letters of support, we, got, uh, we, are, you know, we are essentially on a block with three bars, the bus stop, the blue light, um, as well as uh, the new alehouse, uh, Union Street alehouse, which used to be um, bar none. Uh, with that being said, I will be quiet, and I'm happy to take any questions. Questions? Just thank you for the um, uh, very well thorough um, community outreach and coverage and uh, letters in. Well done. Um, I don't have any questions, but I know I've known Teddy for a while now. And I know how hard you've worked on this space, and I, I still have yet to go in there. I know, <laughs> working on it. But um, I'm really excited for you, and uh, we'll see how this goes. But I think uh, adding, personally, I think adding um, entertainment to it will just enhance its ability as a community space, and I know you're committed to that. So it's really cool. Thanks. All right, you can have a seat, and we will start with motions. I'd like to make a motion to approve with staff recommendations. Seconded. All right. Is there any public comment on this item? No public comment on this item. All right. We'll close public comment. We can vote. President Blyman? Aye. Vice President Camino? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. All right. You've been approved. Just follow up with our staff at your earliest convenience. Okay, the final permit on our regular agenda tonight is for an LLP for indoor entertainment and outdoor amplified sound at the front of the business for Microblack, located at 2323 Market Street. Over the weekend, Microblack requested a continuance of their permit application until our next hearing, which is scheduled for August 1st, 2023. The applicant is making this request so they can conduct more thorough neighborhood outreach. I'd also like to recommend the continuance of this application as I very recently began receiving allegations that their landlord or building owner does not approve of the LLP permit application or hosting ongoing entertainment in the space. And I would like to continue this investigation prior to you reviewing their permit application. As you know, all of our brick and mortar permit applications must complete the self-attestation, indicating that they have property owner's consent to apply for a permit. In this case, Microblack did attest to having the approval, but due to the uh, allegations, I'm now just awaiting a response from the building owner. Um, so please let me know if you have any questions about the continuance. You're also welcome to speak. You may also ask questions of the applicant if you'd like. Um, continuance sounds like the right thing to do. Yeah. Yep. Well, the consensus so, there. I'll motion to continue Seconded. the item until the next hearing. Okay. All right. Um, is there any public comment on the continuance specifically, the motion to continue? No. Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mark Jenkins, and I'm a uh, patron and I like to consider myself an ambassador for the space. It's also a social club and it's a gathering of artists. There's a real community that's developing and being built. Uh, I understand there's some concerns of neighbors about unruly behavior and such, but it's really antithetical to the space which hosts um, a, a, a really fine 
uh, dress and men's wear shop, it's all coming from Paris and very expensive, and we can't really have people who are out of control, um, nor sound that's too loud for us to have interchange of ideas and creativity and lots of cross-pollination and, and creativity of artists who gather there to collaborate and inspire one another. I'm also the outgoing treasurer of the Castro Country Club. I'm very much a part of the sober and sober-ish community and really am pleased to find an owner or manager of the space who's really um, looking out for the best interests of the community. Uh, no one in my time there, I've, I go about twice a week, um, consumes more than two beverages, and if anyone is not willing or able to um, uh, conduct themselves with a modicum of um, expression, then they're asked to leave because really all, there's also a, a dress and fine clothing selling business going on at the same time. And so having people not um, imbibe is, is really what we want to see happening there. And I find it a sanctuary. Uh, there are a lot of safety issues. Even in the Castro right now, I was a victim of two hate crimes recently, one right across from my building near the Whole Foods on Market. And the safe space that's provided there is very welcome in the current environment in which we live. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hello, my name is Sister Carrie Miaway with the Sisters Perpetual Indulgence. I've had the pleasure of going to Micro Black several times. What I found is something very unique that I've not found anywhere in the Castro or anywhere else in San Francisco. I go there and I meet people that I've never met before and they feel like friends I've known for years. I was not around when Harvey Milk's store was open on Castro, but the stories that I hear from friends is that that's what existed there. It's a unique blend of store second and community first, and that's what the owner of Microblack is creating for us. So I really want to encourage, if possible, to find compromise and to allow this place to foster something really special that I have not seen anywhere else in San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you. Clear, President Lyman. The current motion is the continuance. Yeah, so I just want to be clear. So I, I know you all traveled this way, and obviously we'll, we more than welcome your comments here. And we'll, you know, I, the the what we are what they have requested is that we actually don't hear it tonight. We hear it at the next hearing. That was what was requested by the the permit holder. Um, so um, absolutely, speak speak about microblack in any way you want. It doesn't have to be specifically on the continuance. I didn't mean to imply that. So just want to reiterate that. Um, so thank you. Um, my name is Coy uh, Michael. Um, these are light sensitivity and my vision. Um, thank you. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Should have had this up already. Forgive me. It's okay. Um, we won't start the time till you start speaking it. Okay. Thank you, dear sirs and madams. Um, in these extremely challenging economic times for both San Francisco as a whole and the Castro community in particular, I cannot stress enough the singular importance of Micro Black Boutique and Social Club to our multicultural community. Uh, Micro Black is an oasis of culture and expression for the LGBTQ community, plus community, and indeed all artists. 
desperately in need of safe venues for expression. Microblack represents both economic prosperity and aesthetic expression for our community and all the people of San Francisco who long for a safe venue to create beautiful art and music. Please allow us to continue our efforts to employ and entertain our city, our community, and all who crave culture and acceptance. Thank you. Hello there, uh, my name is Gooch. Um, I'm a local LGBT uh, queer photographer in the city here. I work in nightlife and um, document social uh, happenings within our queer community. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm reading this because I, I get very nervous when I'm talking, that's uh, why I'm a photographer. Um, so I'm here to express my heartfelt support for uh, Micro Black. As a local queer artist, I have experienced firsthand the tremendous impact that uh, this store and Jules Hope, uh, Jules Good, has had on our community. Microblack stands as a shining beacon of creativity, diversity, and inclusivity in our neighborhood. Um, its commitment to curating a space that not only showcases talented artists, but also provides a safe and supportive environment for everyone is truly commendable. Uh, through the store, uh, it has cultivated a community where individuals from all walks of life <coughs> can come together and appreciate the beauty of art. I want to personally express my gratitude uh, that the store has shown me. Um, um, it has given me the ability to showcase some of my work and has meant the world to me. It is rare to find uh, someone, as Jules, um, who understands the challenges faced by local artists, particularly those who identify as queer. Uh, her unwavering support and encouragement have, has helped me and many others to both grow, grow as an artist and as an individual. And I am forever grateful for that presence in my life. Um, moreover, I have been impressed by the atmosphere that has been created by Michael Black. Um, it's, uh, the way that it's curated the music, ensuring it does not overpower conversation, demonstrates the thought and consideration for the comfort and enjoyment of the patrons and your neighbors. This attention to detail sets Microblack apart from other establishments and creates an ambience that fosters connection and appreciation for art and community. I stand with Microblack. So, thank you. Thank you. I realize this is just for uh, the continuance, but I'll make it so I'll make it quick. My name is Aaron. I'm the general manager of Chadwick's. We're a small bake shop. We're on the same block as Microblack, and we strongly support what they're doing over there. Um, and I've heard the, the word oasis a few times, and that was something that was kind of running through my head. Um, so th they've been. For the short time they've been there already, they've been very active in the community. For example, they've um, 
been the venue for one of the Merchants Association mixers. Uh, and it's just generally a very inviting place. Uh, I've been to their other events as well. And it's not loud or raucous. They're actually very mellow and respectful. Um, in fact, uh, as far as noise, there are several bars in the, in the neighborhood that from the street you can hear uh, quite a bit. Um, so I just wanted to give our support as a local business on the same block. Um, there are still several storefronts on that block that are empty and Micro Black has been a really welcome uh, place uh, in the neighborhood. Thank you. Hello. Um, my name is Jared Webster. I uh, work at Micro Black. I am a gay male, uh, leatherman, drag queen um, in San Francisco for about 26 years. Um, I fit in a lot of different, or I, I fit in in a lot of different crowds, but what goes with that is I don't really have one specific crowd. And uh, I fit in here. <laughs> so, um, I'd really like it to stay. So let's find a compromise. Um, and with all the uh, storefronts closing, it's nice to see one open right now. And I really think this could be an anchor store because it's, we reach a lot of people. Um, thank you. All right, any more public comments? Uh, no more public comments for this item. All right, we'll close public comment, um, and we are talking about a continuance. We've already we've already done the motions. Hi. Okay, voting time. Uh, President Blyman. Uh, yes to continuing this. Mm -hmm. uh, Vice President Comino. Aye. Commissioner Thomas. Aye. Commissioner Torres. Aye. And Commissioner Wong. Aye. All right. Now we're done with the permitting portion of this exciting hearing. And we can move on to the next agenda item, which is number eight, I believe. Which yep. Discussion and possible action to amend the permit conditions of limited live performance permit EC 1616 DBA, the Brixton, located at 2140 Union Street regarding ongoing enforcement actions at the business. Thanks, President Blyman. At the request of the commission, this item was agendized to bring the ownership team of the Brixton before the commission to discuss ongoing LLP permit violations at the business. As a quick background, the Brixton received their LLP permit on December 21st, 2021. Although they wished to have applied to, for a POE permit due to their uh, zoning controls, the LLP permit was their only option unless they elected to go through a CU process with the planning department. Since the permit was granted at the end of 2021, they have received 13 311 sound complaints and numerous email complaints about their volume and operating entertainment after 11 p.m., which is the cutoff time for their LLP permit. 
Of the 13 311 complaints, we have visited the business 12 different times and found the business to be in violation of their permit during nine of those visits. Of the nine violations observed, seven were for operating entertainment after 11. I think it's important to note that when I say operating after 11, for the most part, this is meant anywhere from 11.45 p.m. to 1.45 a.m., so well after their approved cutoff time. To date, the business has been issued one NOV and six citations, five of which have been for operating after 11 p.m. The business has paid for all of these citations. There have been two different occasions where we've responded to a complaint and a DJ was performing after 11, but the on-site manager claimed they did not know about the LLP permit conditions. During both instances, our inspectors educated each manager about the LLP permit requirements, along with the good neighbor policy, and when I issued the citations to ownership, I reiterated that their permit requires them to always have a person on site who is aware of permit conditions. I also want to note that the business is aware of our one-time permits that they, as they have obtained those to operate after 11 p.m. sporadically since obtaining the LLP permit. In the case of the last two citations issued for operating after 11 on June 9th and July 15th, the manager said that they had one-time event permits, which they didn't. Lastly, per Municipal Police Code Article 15.1, the Entertainment Commission Director or their designee has the ability to suspend a permit administratively for up to 15 days if we observe three or more violations in a 90-day period. The citation that I issued, issued yesterday was their third citation in 72 day, two days, giving us the grounds for an administrative suspension up to 15 days, which I do plan to move forward with. This agenda item tonight is a discussion and possible action in uh, which the commission has the ability to recondition the Brixton's permit as you see fit. Although we do not have specific staff recommendations for reconditioning at this time, we would suggest at a minimum to remind the permit holder of the importance of following the rules by adhering to their permit conditions, namely ending entertainment at 11. So a copy of their permit is in your file tonight. And here to speak with you is owner Hugo Gamboa and their general manager, Rachel. Uh, Hugo wasn't able to attend. Oh. This is Andy Wasserman. Um, as far as our permit goes, um, obviously we have been outside of compliance. Um, I guess the biggest thing is there's really no excuse for it. We've kind of just tried to find a new avenue of revenue for our business since COVID. Um, and it's kind of dependent on entertainment at different hours of the night that are outside the permit hours. Um, unfortunately, for some reason, Union Street corridor zoning isn't permitted for full entertainment permits, uh, where you go around the corner to Mauna Loa, anywhere on Fillmore Street, and they are. Um, <clears throat> so, we've kind of found that, you know, in the decline of our restaurant business, we've had the opportunity to have an incline of revenue through later night entertainment. Um, and trying to be as much a part of the good neighbor policy we're often as well a scapegoat for a lot of the stuff that happens on Union Street, loitering, litter, 
um, things like that, which we try very hard to keep our area, our area around our neighbors clean. Um, and kind of like a lot of these other businesses, we're just, you know, trying to find new innovative ways to keep business going. Um, Andy, do you have anything? Uh, no, I mean, we've, we've been there for 15 years, and uh, we, we haven't really, you know, we were there probably a lot longer than most of the businesses in the neighborhood and certainly most of the neighbors. So, you know, for us, as Rachel just said, uh, you know, we're just trying to keep, uh, we're trying to basically stay alive. It's really been a matter of survival for us to try to figure out a way to keep people from coming in. And so we have been, um, you know, we have been, trying to get permits, daily permits, um, you know, music. We've always had uh, music amplified there. Um, uh, so it, it is, it's a challenging environment, uh, but we do plan on, you know. We do ahead. have plans to kind of change our business model in the upcoming months. Um, it would be include a closure of the business and almost rebranding um, the Brixton to create something where we can drive revenue out inside those hours and not be so dependent on the 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. hours. Uh, the Marina District is a culture of late night drinking. Young kids, they like to come in later. They do get loud. They get a little obnoxious outside. You know, it's controlled as much as possible. But our plan is to refocus our business model and go to something where, okay, then yes, we can totally operate within our permit in the DJ live music, maybe even change our live music from D DJs to some other kind of live music, um, and then end at 11 p.m and be able to continue business to 2 a.m. Um, so I guess asking for forgiveness on our permit right now and being able to possibly continue until we shut down or continue our permit permanently with the LLP um, so that we can kind of rebrand, go back to the drawing board uh, get this kind of straight and figure out how we're able to really put a new foot forward to, you know, make business stay alive um, for ourselves. Anybody want to start? All right. Um, I do have some thoughts. So I know it's a challenging business environment right now. Um, I'm going through it myself and my bars are revenues down in some cases 60 70 percent and just can't figure out where where the people are um sorry can i ask you one thing i'm also very scared oh okay so if you don't mind so i don't have to look at that yeah speak up just a little bit yeah yeah i'll do my best sorry um so the the issue that we're having obviously is that it's kind of like a willful in compliance or non-compliance with the rules that we actually have to enforce by law, right? So um, the Entertainment Commission has two roles. One is to promote nightlife, which we try to do at every juncture we have, but the other, which is kind of our core, is to regulate 
sound, uh, especially where neighbors and 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 venues interface, right? And uh, unfortunately, you know, you have had quite a few complaints from neighbors who are are nearby you, and then that compels us to act. And in fact, we ha we then have to act, right? So we're kind of between a rock and a hard place where we want to promote nightlife, but when there are complaints and we do go find people, we, we have to inspect. And when we find them out of compliance, we have to then follow the, the rule book that we have based on police code, right? So I just want to be clear. Make yep. one comment on that, though. Yeah. As far as having, being able to have your in-house amplified sound yeah which every time we have had a complaint i'm not yeah. gonna no, i get it you could yeah. we haven't been out i totally understand so it's we we have to follow specifically police code and the police code is specific on what what is what is in-house amplified sound and what is live entertainment right our job is the live entertainment and so we the, the department literally has you know laws literally to follow that are specifically focused toward live entertainment. And that's why you keep hearing from us for live entertainment. So I totally understand when you have, when it's a choice between the business failing or breaking the rules that, that that's a terrible choice to be in. Right. And I'm, I'm actually very compassionate to that. You know, we've, I, I'm not allowed because I'm the president of the Entertainment Commission, but I, I would be lying if it, it hasn't come up before in spaces that we have where it's like, well, if this is going to fail on its own, then what's then then who cares about, you know, the, the, the choice is very clear. You got to kind of break the rules to, in order to survive. And I understand that that one would be compelled to do that. Unfortunately, it's gotten to a point now with this commission where like we're, we're all over you because it, we keep getting complaints and we keep finding out of compliance. And when that happens, actually, I would argue that worse things will happen down the line. And so I just want to bring up a couple things that are, that are important. One is I believe you, you can get a CU on union street. Is that so you can get a conditional use permit from the planning department that would allow you to get a place of entertainment permit. Right. And I think we, I know we've explained this to other some of the other ownerships before I know our staff has but that's what's you know what's stopping you is not that it's forbidden it's that you need to take one additional step I believe also and I can't say this with absolute certainty but I believe because you have a type 47 license that you that you may qualify for an expedited permitting process from the planning department so you'd want to check with the office of small business on that um, but that that could then solve the problems that we are all having together, right? It will take a few months. Um, you will have to fill out a lot of forms. You will have to go before the planning commission and you'll need to probably do community outreach. You'll probably have to bring people to speak on your behalf. You'll have to jump through a lot of hoops. It's annoying. I've had to do it many times before, but that right there, then, then you're allowed to go till two, eight, and then you'd come back, get a place of entertainment permit from us, and then you would be allowed then to have enter live entertainment until 2 a.m., and then when we show up and you have a DJ, we say they're acting in compliance, we checked everything, right? So that is one option. So it's not like there's no roads available to you. Um, the road, I think, of continuing to violate your LLP, I don't think that's, that's gonna continue to get worse and worse and worse. The, um, the, um, you know, the consequences will get worse and worse. And what then will happen is that will then make it very difficult for you to get a CU, 
right? It'll make it difficult for you to sell the business. It'll make it, the, all sorts of things can happen when you have this track record because you've riled the neighbors up so much. They, they, they want nothing in there and then you're unable to sell the business because the neighbors say Under, over my dead body, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna fight this, right? And so I, I think that's really important. Uh, I don't recommend this, but there are things you can do that do involve live entertainment that do not require a permit. For example, uh, one person on an acoustic instrument, and I've seen some places, I'm not recommending this, but I've seen some places converting to piano bar styles and bringing in piano bar sing-along places. That is actually not permitted by the Entertainment Commission. and Until 10 p.m. Until, well, acoustic. The piano can't be plugged in, but it... Until 10 p.m. Okay. 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 Until yeah. 10 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then, and then the other thing that I, I, I think you should consider as well is that there are, um, there are, uh, there may need to be, if you're going to renovate, if you're going to change things down, may need to be some soundproofing, um, uh, uh, augmentations that maybe could, you can work with your neighbors. I found soundproofing to be pretty effective, on its own, but I've also found it to be a way to get to know my neighbors and show that we have, in my businesses, have been putting investment and money and care into their peace and quiet. And a lot of times through soundproofing projects, I maybe haven't been able to mitigate all the noise, but I've been able to uh, create a relationship where they know that I'm a, a honest broker and an actor to work to try, and, and we end up having a situation where, you know, they just text me and say, can you turn it down rather than calling 311 every single time, right? And so these are, these are just things I think you, you just want to kind of consider. I don't know, you know, I don't, I'll, I'll let anybody else ask questions to you, and we'll, we'll have a discussion here, so about whether or not conditions are the right way. Um, the only thing that's important to me is that you kind of understand that our, our hands are tied. Um, we're going to have to continue to visit you by law, and um, and the 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 violations are going to get worse and worse and worse, and might have a uh, very adverse effect on you downstream. And that that's been a law for over 20 years in San Francisco now, and that we're we're just the stewards of that law. Uh, usually, it works. Sometimes it's it's it comes into it, sometimes it's it's tricky and it's. Uh, and it, and it sets up real kind of conflicts and things that have to happen. So I just want to kind of get those points across, if that makes sense. Any other comments or questions from the conditioners? Um, commissioners? Yeah. <laughs> conditioners. Uh, Sin. Sure. Um, I just want to say I am deeply troubled by the fact that these violations have been so they've been consistent, they've been over a long period of time, and it sounds tonight like they're intentional, that they're willful. Um, I am certainly sympathetic to the struggles of any small business, especially as we get through this pandemic, but I also think there's something about having respect for your permit conditions and for Entertainment Commission staff and our inspectors um, and your interactions with them and being honest um, in those interactions. And so I would urge you to change course ASAP, especially as there are alternate routes you can take, as, our, as the president of our commission just outlined. It wasn't that you were hitting a brick wall. You had further steps you could take to get in compliance and still continue um, that business operation, and you didn't take those steps. So if you are planning to take them in the future and come back for a place of entertainment permit, the conduct in which you're engaging right now is not helpful to our deliberations for that permit later. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Sin said much of what I said. Like, you know, we're getting 311 calls complaining about you being open late. So, you know, clearly you have neighbors who are paying attention and keeping an eye on when you are playing music or having entertainment after 11. Um, sorry, is it easier if I take my mask off? Is that easier for you to hear me, see me? You're welcome. Um, uh, clearly, you have neighbors who are calling 311 uh, to that. I mean, that's how we know that you're having entertainment after 11. So you have folks in the neighborhood already who are paying attention to it and know that you are outside. of. They know what your permit um, uh, restrictions are, and they're calling 311 to complain. So you already have some folks in the neighborhood who are concerned about this. And I think both, you know, out of respect for the neighbors, you know, figure out if there's a better way to communicate with your neighbors. But mostly, you know, just as I think we're all saying about respecting the conditions and respecting our entertainment commission staff, you know, like they, they know whether there's a one-time permit or not. So trying to tell our staff there's a one-time permit when there isn't, isn't, you know, going to get you anywhere um, with the Entertainment Commission in particular because we do know whether or not those are there. And I do appreciate that you're pulling one-time permits. Um, probably you should do that more frequently if you can because then you are permitted, right? But, um, you know, uh, I think just to echo what's inside in particular, it's going to be harder to come back from this once your permit is getting uh, suspended um, and, you know, you're going to have to do more in that case to, to come back. So I'm not necessarily in support of reconditioning the permit now, um, but I'm interested in hearing what other... Yeah, let's uh, let's figure out if um, we have any more questions for the for the the permit holder, and then but we. Thank can you for coming in. I know it's uh, uncomfortable, but thank you for coming in and meeting with us. I I just wanted to to underline what's been shared with you in terms of reaching out to your neighbors. I really do appreciate how difficult things are. I work in the industry myself, and like President Blyman, I'm also experiencing the same decline that you are and that he is. Um, the uh, One of the beautiful parts of this city is that it's this delicate ecosystem between residents and, and nightlife and commercial. And in order for that to exist and coexist, you have to not have a us versus them um, mindset. And it's really, and and, I think, you know, I don't want to um, take away from, you know, like that you should respect our staff and, and, and we're only really here to help you. In, um, but, the, but there's also a component of this is that you really have to think about like these neighbors are, these are the folks that you're going to have to live with moving forward and you need their buy-in. You need the community's buy-in for you to be successful as well. So I, I think I understand where the motivation has come in terms of these, um, you know, willful uh, breaking. But 
I, 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 I th I, it's not going to help you moving forward, not, in, not even in regards to the permits. It's not going to help you with the community, and I think that that's important for you to acknowledge. More comments? All right, you can have a seat, and we'll discuss this amongst ourselves. Thank you. Are we... Do you continue something on with telling us something, or are we... uh, we're going to keep talking on oh, whether or not we want to condition okay. or what right. the what the plan is here? But yeah, if we have more questions, we'll we'll summon you. Um, so my thoughts are that you know that it did not seem that this permit holder was getting the memo from us about the kind of severity of the of the increasing and frequent, like kind of flagrant violations. Um, I, I'm not necessarily in support of any sort of conditions. I'm not sure what conditions would even change things. Um, what I what my, what I wanted out of this was a chance to talk to them face to face and just try to get across that this is a serious issue for us and for them and that it's gonna continue to be this serious if not more serious. Um, I, I think we accomplished that, uh, but I do think that it's kind of up to the permit holder going forward on whether or not that bears out to be true. Um, but I'm not sure what conditions we could do right now, considering that the they're violating things after the the timing. So it's like usually we change times, and it doesn't doesn't right. seem that would that would really affect anything at this point. Anybody else have thoughts? And just for clarification, Caitlin, um, interim director Acevedo, <laughs> we you will be proceeding with a 15-day suspension, correct? That is my plan. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I wonder if I, is just entertainment, right? So just entertainment. Stop business correct. operations. Yeah. Certainly, certainly. I wonder if we could um, revisit in a certain number of days to see if there have been any additional. Violations, and if so, look at a longer suspension. I mean, I think we will know if there's violations coming up soon, right? Um, just based on our inspectors' mm -hmm. reports. And just to make clear, if there are additional violations after that, we will be looking at suspending, um, or at least I personally am interested in looking at suspending the permit at that point. All right. Um, in that case, uh, I just want to say a couple of things. So um, I actually know Adam. I've known him for years. And um, I, uh, outside of my capacity as the president of the Entertainment Commission, um, he can text me, and I'm happy to talk with him about what we've done in terms of not having any money in our businesses recently. Uh, because it, it, you're not alone in that uh, the struggle is is – it's not just, oh, it's less money. It's, oh, I, we don't know sometimes how we're going to make rent in situations like that, which are a lot more dire. So I actually am sympathetic for that. I'm not sympathetic to flagrantly violating the rules of this commission. But um, so, uh, you know, just please pass along to him that if he would like to text me, I'm happy to chat with him. And it's, it's hard going out right now. Uh, I get that. It's hard going out there. Um, is there any public comment on this item? 
No public comment on this item. All right, I'll close public comment, and I think we've come to a consensus. There's no motions to do make any changes. All right, so we can move them along to the next agenda item. Hi, commissioners. <laughs> this this agenda item is regarding the LLP permit for Jones, located at 620 Jones Street. Jones was actually granted our first LLP permit with both indoor and outdoor entertainment back in 2011. At the time, they had a CU from the planning department that restricted their outdoor entertainment to Sundays only. After the commission granted their permit in alignment with the existing planning motion, the owner went back to the planning department to have these days and hours of outdoor entertainment expanded. That took some time to complete, but after it was accomplished, the owner didn't come back to get their LLP permit conditions amended to align with the revised planning motion, which brings us to this hearing agenda item tonight. Jones requested to appear at a hearing to have their existing LLP permit conditions modernized to match the current conditions on their CU from planning. Their LLP currently has a very outdated sound limit and only allows them to operate outdoor entertainment on Sundays from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Tonight, they are here to request the ability to host outdoor entertainment and amplified sound daily until 7 p.m. at an ambient sound level, as well as the ability to host up to 10 special events per month with a higher sound limit. They generally use their higher sound limit for uh, Sunday drag brunches, but they like the ability to host other events on different days of the week as well. Senior Sound Inspector Zavrina has already set the special event sound limit and is reflected in the staff conditions below. I'd also like to note that their current LLP permit notes they can only host indoor entertainment until 10 p.m., but the zoning controls have changed since the issuance of their original permit, and they are now allowed to operate indoor entertainment daily until 11 p.m. under the existing planning code. In advance of the hearing, the general manager conducted extensive outreach about this potential permit change and hearing by notifying their nearby residential and commercial neighbors, two of which are hotels. There was no opposition for this permit. Excuse me. There was a concern letter that I read yesterday that I responded to and actually was able to put them in touch. It's a neighbor, a residential neighbor, in touch directly with the GM of Jones. And so that person was open to speaking directly with the permit holder. Um, so that is modified in the memo here. And SFPD was notified of the amendment request um, and didn't have any issues with it. So here to speak with you this evening is the general manager of Jones, Joanna Hines. Hello, Hello everybody. Um, not gonna lie, I'm pretty nervous. It's like <laughs> 20 years back in school. <laughs> okay, uh, I wrote out my speech, but I'll try to say it from the heart but I might look down here, because it helps. Maybe not, I'm very <laughs> dyslexic. <laughs> anyway, um, so hello everybody, hello, hello. Um, so my name is Joanna Hines, I'm the general manager of 620 Jones, which is a bar and restaurant located at 620 Jones uh, near Geary Street, and I come here today to update our uh, pretty outdated limited life performance license. We're asking specifically to seek to hold up to 10 special events per month. But before I start to get, give you like three points why I think we should be supported on this matter, I would like to tell a little bit about who 620 Jones is. Does it start automatically? Just hit it. Okay. The arrow. Oh, here we go. Hello. 620 Jones. All right. So we are... Uh, the biggest outdoor bar and restaurant in San Francisco. <clears throat> we are uh, basically urban oasis in this concrete jungle that we're surrounded with. And uh, we started, 
2011. We opened our doors in 2011, but it was a very special date. It was Valentine's Day uh, to show already that there's a lot of care and thinking behind this place. And we have been, so therefore we have been established for over a decade and are nestled between the theater district, the Tenderloin, and the Naphill neighborhoods. We are an unforgettable. We are an unforgettable destination that has 8,000 square feet of lush patio, and it not only mesmerizes our patrons who come in, but also is actually a sanctuary for a lot of wildlife, in particular um, birds. And lately, the humming—not lately—the hummingbird is loving our greenery and is always present every time I'm there and working. So therefore, we actually incorporated the hummingbird into our logo. And because pictures can say a thousand words, but a video can nowadays say even more. Here's a little short clip for you to get the essence of Jones. Is it on? Yes. basically, so Six Twenty Joe's is aiming to contribute significantly to San Francisco artistry, <laughs> artistic scenery, uh, the economic growth and community engagement. So let's go right straight to the um, point with artistic expression. So without art, without artistry, the city loses life. There's just, without art, there's no, no city vibrance. And it's very important to be a platform for um, such adventures. Um, you can already have a sense when you go into 620 Jones that we incorporated the Gay, uh, Gaylord Hotel Suites, which we share the same address with. They have a Moorish style of building, and we incorporated it throughout the whole space. So it's already like a journey of art with how we build out the space. Uh, we firmly believe that cultural expression has the power to unite communities, stimulate their local economy, and celebrate the rich diversity that makes San Francisco unique. So the requests for the 10 special events in particular are gonna be um, allocated to our drag branches because they provide a platform for emerging artists, local talents, and established artists to showcase their creativity. And if you've never been to 620 Jones Drag Brunch, it's truly a magical experience. People of all sorts of life come into our space. They laugh, they celebrate, they cheer, they cheer for each other. Groups they have never met before suddenly support the other. And it's just people leave happier. And it's a joy to support it. Plus, what it does is we all kind of know there's a creeping, creeping shutdown as it rolls in through downtown, and it's really vital not to have, to have us affected and to be a space where people are drawn in, which leads us to the second point, the, um, the economy. I just missed a slide, hold on. Our drag queens performing, please. 
So the boosting of our local economies. So the first fact is that those are staff members. The first fact is that we at any given time employ 45 employees, which whom of 80% of them live and work in San Francisco. And by giving them a steady income, uh, they're able to also spend it and support the family in, in the borders of San Francisco. And there is a saying, a rising tide lifts all boats. That's why we like to continue being a vibrant place that has events and regular day-to-day for our employees, but also for the impact that we are on Geary Street, which is, which is a very vital road for San Francisco, connecting Union Street, Union Square, sorry, with Vanessa and all the way to Ocean Beach. And it's a, it's a lifeline in my, in my eyes of San Francisco because the bars, restaurants, and businesses that line the street are essential to the vitality of the neighborhood. By having not only our day-to-day, but special events, we will attract residents, tourists, and also uh, people who are uh, patrons of the hotels. There's about 12 hotels within four blocks of 620 Jones to come in. And by having them come in, we are uh, driving foot traffic and again, boosting the local economy. Um, oh yes, and what we always do is we recommend places around us. So when we, it's time to close the doors because we don't operate after, after midnight anymore, uh, we close the doors and it's like, um, there's the bar right here behind, across the street. There's the restaurant across that street. We are booked today, <sighs> thank God. But there's the restaurant on this corner you can check out. So we are caring about our surrounding, not only our residents, but also um, our, 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 the other businesses, our competition, I guess. All right, which leads me to the uh, third point, which is our community impact. So our community impact, our venue since Venture Jones has a rich history of collaborating with various companies, organizations, including TDNC, Tenderloin Neighborhood Development Corporation, which has the mission to build a future with economic and racial equality. Then Frameline, which is a nonprofit organization that is changing the world, one queer movie at the time by connecting filmmakers and audiences of the Bay Area and the world around us. The Lower Knob Hill Neighborhood Alliance, whose mission is to protect historic buildings, support small businesses, and keep the urban vibes alive in the Lower Knob Hill. DISH, who is an organization that fights homelessness, a company that provides high-quality uh, permanent housing to as, San, sorry, San Franciscans who suffer from serious health issues. DISH and actually Six Strange Jones are collaborating together and have raised in the past over half a million dollars to fight homelessness. And who would I be if I miss, uh, if I don't mention Juanita Moore? Our very famous Tenderloin drag queen, who, with uh, the help of Six Twenty Jones, has raved, oh, has raved, <laughs> has raised by raving, <laughs> one million dollar for charity, and this is charity that is in San Francisco. Uh, actually, this year it went to QSL, Queer uh, Space. Sorry. Well, I'm dropping the ball on it. <laughs> I will just move along. It, it was for a charity, and we actually worked with this charity. I just, sorry, I totally did not do good on this part. 
Um, so basically, in the end, it, what it is, it's like we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We have been an established business for over a decade. And we just want to be able to update and have our permit be more current and be able to have those events that we have in the past, but be, be able to make them a little bit more special. Because, well, hopefully you will be off soon at some point, and it would be nice to be able, obviously, you know, 7 p.m., but it would be nice to go a nice walk up to Jones, go inside, have a glass of wine, red or white, and maybe there's the string quartet playing. And this will leave an impact on you. You're like, ooh, I need to tell this to my coworkers, or, or maybe bring friends in, and this is what we're here for, for those little magical moments that are so important for us. So in conclusion, granting us the ability to host 10 special events per month under their updated live, uh, limited live performance license, we will be, uh, pivot, it will be a pivoted step towards enhancing San Francisco uh, cultures, landscapes. Our community commitment to artistic expression, the economic boost that we will provide to local businesses, and our history of collaborating with various organizations demonstrates our dedication to the growth and vibrancy of the city. Thank you so much for your attention and your consideration. Questions, comments? Um, so the proposal is um, uh, to allow indoor entertainment every day until 11 p.m. Yeah. Outdoor entertainment with amplified sound every day until seven, and then uh, ten up to ten special events per month um, that can go later. Um, and does that suit your goals in terms of your vision for six twenty Jones? Yes, because the thing is that we're not aiming like, oh, we're going to have ten events now each month. This is just to have the freedom to be able to have hopefully more events, more people come back. And it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's frustrating, but it's like people wanna come and they wanna be there and they're like, no, you can't have that and no, you can't have this. And obviously I know we are surrounded by a lot of neighbors and by a lot of um, hotel buildings. So we always try to be, if there's a speech, if there's something to have it as early as possible so we don't overextend ourselves. Great, so, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Deputy Director, do you want to just clarify that? I do. Yeah, Commissioner Thomas, so it's not to go later for the 10 special events. It's to have a louder sound limit for louder 10 special limit. events. Thank you. Because the planning department has uh, a condition on their CU that doesn't allow outdoor entertainment to go later than 7 p.m. Got it. Thank you for that correction. My mistake. Um, I just wanted to say thank you. I and it was already known to me, but thank you for your continued commitment to the LGBTQ community and centering that community. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, that area has a <clears throat> strong uh, and long uh, queer history, um, and we don't have very many spaces left in that part of town. I guess I have two questions. One is, do you have a relationship with the transgender cultural district at all? Um, well, yes and no. Okay. It's like, uh, it's, uh, we had, hold on, can, I'll just need to look it up so I don't. 
queer, queer life space. That's what it is. Oh, so, okay. so we have we have connection with them and support them, but I have not reached out to that particular. Culture. So I would just say that you know uh, I'm in perhaps what what might help uh, make sense to keeping the culture alive is um, is reaching out to them, engaging with them, seeing if there's possible collaboration with this increase in events that you're going to have that helps center the long history of the trans community in the Tenderloin. Um, and I'm really happy to hear that you also recommend for folks to go to other places after you close and um, would ask that perhaps you highlight the the two queer spaces that are left in the neighborhood, which would be the Cinch and Aunt Charlie's Lounge, okay. um, just that these are legacy businesses and we want them to stay open. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Any more? All right, you can have a seat. Okay. Thank you. Deliberate. Any conversation before we do motions? One thing, can you, um, Deputy Director, can you, oh, I'm sorry, Acting Director, oh, yeah. so sorry. Um, can you just, uh, if you already said it, then repeat, but, um, so they did have one sound limit that was kind of outdated before. Can you just explain how that's been changed or what's been done on that? I can. Absolutely. The existing condition on the permit reads that their sound shall not exceed 68 dBA outside. So not only is there not a DBC limit, but 68 dBA is less than the average ambient that Inspector Zavrina took when he went out to set a special event sound limit. So it's extremely antiquated. So um, he went out and worked with Joanna and the team on um, assessing what the volume would be at the loudest which is during their drag brunches. And that is how we came to the arrival of the special event sound limit, which is 82 dBA, 91 dBC. Thank you. Yeah, sounds good to me. Let's yeah, very much. Do we have any motions? Uh, I make a motion uh, to accept the staff recommendations for amendments to their permit. Seconded. All right. Would you like me to say that differently, or is that sufficient? Sounded good. Yep. Okay. Um, public comment. Anybody who wants to speak publicly can uh, walk to the front. You have three minutes, and just please state your name in the microphone. And Good evening, Commission. My name's uh, Kevin Despain. Um, I've lived at uh, Gaylord Suites on the seventh floor for about six years, and um, to me, I know I've heard this a few times, like it really is an oasis, um, especially post-COVID lockdown. It's, the neighborhood is, it's really depressing. When we talk a lot about life and art, there's nothing but death and despair. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. And uh, it's, it's a joy to, to, to live above them on the seventh floor. And um, I grew up in the city. Um, I also worked the door at uh, Mauna Loa. I don't know what they were trying to throw Mauna Loa under the bus over there at Brixton. They're kind of funny. Uh, but, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, they really probably should extend the hours as far as sound because, one, you never hear anything indoors. Um, and you hear a lot of things in this neighborhood where I live. And I don't, I don't think people laughing and having listening to some good music is uh, a problem. And I can't, I can't speak for 
the 100 plus residents at, a, at the Gaylord Suites, but if we had a list of negative, you know, living in the apartments, I don't think Jones, Jones is more of an attribute. So, um, and uh, that's all I have to say, but that's cool. Thank you. Thank you. Any more public comments, please? Hi, commissioners. My name is Margo. Um, I am one of the drag entertainers that has the privilege of being a part of the regular uh, programming at 620 Jones. And um, it's an honor to get to represent the artists that get to be there regularly. Um, just a quick couple things to add to what's already been said. Um, as an entertainer, I know that I personally, as well as a lot of my community, have been very impacted by the pandemic and the closure of so many um, incredible historic queer venues. And I know that 620 Jones really stands as a pillar in the community and as a space that is literally keeping um, entertainers like myself able to do what we do, able to also, um, uh, as a drag performer, uh, survive in a very expensive city like San Francisco. Additionally, um, just speaking on behalf of drag, I think that you know drag has always been political. Drag has always been um, an art form that has existed across cultures and across uh, many centuries. But especially now, I think that drag stands as a testament to the resilience of the LGBTQ plus community. And I know that every time I have the opportunity to perform and or host at Six Green Jones, that um, it is an opportunity to create a space of safety, a space of um, self-love, and a space of celebration with the community, both our allies and members of the LGBTQ plus community. So um, that's, yeah, that's basically all I had to say, but um, really grateful to get to speak with you all today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. My name's Mary. I'm a resident at uh, 620 Jones. I have a disability that makes it that I'm struggling to talk, so please, um, if you could bear with me. I, um, I, I was there at uh, the Gaylord when they were building the bar. And I lived there from a time before and I raised my, my child uh, there. Um, I have, it, it has been an ongoing issue and it, and it actually, the Gaylord Suites is a great place for single parents and working and students because it's an affordable SRO to, to be in and it's a beautiful building, but a lot of people cannot put up with the sound and the all sorts of different problems that come because of it. I knew this day would come eventually where um, it wasn't didn't seem worthwhile to keep submitting complaints. And uh, and it's very difficult for them to be investigated given the fact that the courtyard is really not something that's accessible should an inspector come in. You really do need to be inside the building. Um, 
So for, uh, for several years, I have been routinely documenting all of the violations that they have, not just ambient sound from all different parts of the, the building, but also them being, being late, playing music longer than it's supposed to. Um, there's also a lot of safety issues with, with that that probably need to be addressed um, by other departments. In doing this documentation, it's, I, I, my request here is that you defer right now making any approval. And, and I provide me an opportunity to give you a really, really extensive list of video evidence that's time-stamped and showing all the problems because it needs to be addressed before, it really needs to be addressed. It, it, it does make the building unlivable. Um, but there, in the, there's a lot of people who are drunk. There's a lot of people who um, are not showing their best. And this is very something that I have a problem uploading to, to out, because it might cause embarrassment to people. And that's been the conflict I've, I've had in documenting and how do I submit it to, to be reviewed. Um, so that's a request that I have. Otherwise, I will edit and, and I guess, uh, to try to blur out people's faces the best that I can <coughs> you document and show it through the complaint process, in which case there will be hundreds, unfortunately, because that, it, yeah. Um, I, I apologize for not having the chance to be prepared. It was, oh, this was the notice given to residents that was posted by our manager in our elevators amongst, and I know he puts a lot of, lot of signs, there's signs everywhere. It really wasn't noticeable. It's very difficult to read and elevator rides are kind of quick. I had no idea. Nothing was in the mailbox. There was nothing outside. I, I, it was just by chance I was looking and realized what, that this was happening. Um, and for that reason as well, the public really didn't get informed, especially people in the building properly or be aware of what their, their, right, uh, their rights are um, to express their concern. Um, most people are just, they're told by the apartment building. There's nothing you can do. They don't even take complaints on our behalf anymore. Uh, they, anyhow, uh, th thank you. Um, uh, for listening to me. Thank you. Uh, sorry, there, you get one chance at public comment. It's uh, kind of the, the law. Um, oh, just, um, I just want to put that on the record that that person um, asked for an ADA request, and so they went longer than the three minutes, which is allowed. Got it. Thank you. Um, so we have made a motion. We have seconded that motion. Is there any discussion about that before we go to voting? Okay, we can vote. President Blyman? Aye. Vice President Camino? 
Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Torres? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. All right, that has been approved. So please follow up with our staff at your earliest convenience. Uh, and now we're on to the fun stuff. Number 10, election of a vice president of the Entertainment Commission. Anybody want to kick this off? So do we just kick off with a nomination? Uh, sure. All right, I would like to nominate President Blyman for the Vice Presidency of the Entertainment Commission. Second. Um, before we do vote, I just want to say that um, I had initially agreed to be Vice President, but I've decided to run for President. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, is there any public comment on that nomination? <laughs> There, um, there are no public comments for okay. that item. Then I will close public comment and we can vote. Pre oh, um, right. Well, President Blyman. I'm going to abstain. <laughs> yes, abstain. Uh, Vice President Camino. Aye. Um, Commissioner Thomas. Aye. Commissioner Torres. Aye. And Commissioner Wong. Aye. Okay. Congratulations. Um, and now to number 11, which is the election of a president of the Entertainment Commission. I would like to nominate Vice President Dory Camino uh, as president. Second. Okay, sorry. Uh, public comment on this yeah. agenda item? None? No, no okay. public comment. Oh, okay. Public. Uh, president, president Blyman. Aye. Vice President Camino. I'm going to abstain. Uh, Commissioner Thomas. Aye. Commissioner Torres. Aye. And Commissioner Wong. Aye. Great. All right. That was 11, right? Yes. 11, yep. Yep. So number yes. 12 is our final. Congratulations. Can we just say congratulations to you two for making these really big, significant changes, changes <laughs> of moving from one chair to the other, but... I look forward to another year of well-run meetings, possibly less Blyman humor, possibly better, run but more Dory it. humor. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, it'll all it'll all even out. Thank you, thank you, guys. All right, comments and questions. Last agenda item. I just want to say that serving on this commission as the president is truly one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. I was honored to do it. And it's definitely time for uh, somebody more capable than I to step forward. And I have just so much confidence and respect for you, Commissioner Kamina. And I am so looking forward to not speaking as much during these hearings and letting you do that. We'll see. <laughs> now I get to save up my comments. I get to save them for just when they matter. I do want to say that, you know, it, today's meeting, you know, just kind of blows my mind, just kind of the, the, the diversity of, of, of our communities. And, um, you know, with all of the negative uh, narratives that are in the press right now, there's so many beautiful moments. There's so many beautiful stories. And we represent a very resilient community. And I look forward to... Um, actually pushing culture forward 
in, in our work in this new fiscal year and doing more to amplify stories and, and maybe one day the SF Entertainment Commission social channels will trend like Cochina Roots on their own. <laughs> no, but for real though, there are so many stories and it's an honor to tell them and to hold that space. And um, I'm looking forward to working with everyone. I just wanted to congratulate you both and thank you for making me feel very welcome and supporting me as a junior member of this commission. And I really appreciate it and everyone, staff and commissioners alike, but congratulations. And I do have one announcement from uh, the Castro LGBTQ Cultural District. Um, uh, we have our monthly advisory board meeting this coming Thursday at 5 o'clock, and as part of that meeting, we're doing a special recognition of a former board member of ours, Christopher Vasquez, for in recognition for his continued work and advocacy um, in memorializing um, those that we lost at the Pulse nightclub massacre, and um, it's now become part of our work of the cultural district formally. And so um, that's all to do mostly with him. He's, he's kept it going. He's a, um, he, you know, he's from Orlando or, or, I mean, he was, he lived in Orlando and, 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 and knew a lot of people at Pulse. And so this is something that was very close to his heart. And I just, um, I encourage anyone, it's a public meeting um, just like this one. So if you're in the Castro and you want to stop by the Bank of America building the community room, we'll be honoring Christopher and yeah. Thank you. All right. Is there any public comment on our comments and questions? No public comment on this item. Okay. Uh, then we will close public comments and we will adjourn this meeting at 7.58 p.m.